Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Jen Sterling, and she is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. She also happens to be a friend of mine, and I can't wait to share her with you guys. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you, girl. Thank you for having me. Well, Thank you for having me. <laughs> girl. I hope that I can live up to like, listen, I'm such a big fan of your podcast. So I get so excited for all like the different people that you have on. And I get so excited each week, like, oh my gosh, what did she release today? And so I'm like, how am I going to fit in? No one's going to care about what I have to say. Uh, no, that is so not true because, you know, first of all, you're hilarious. And what is so funny, you guys, Jen and I have been to many book signings together because we go to the really big ones and I'm in Dallas and she just drives from Colorado here. Uh, I only go to the ones that are convenient for me. So whatever. But anyway, she and I knew of each other. But you know how we really started getting close? My podcast. She's kind of new to the situation. No, it's just so funny how we can both be writers. It's yeah. been years. I mean, you like we've been in the same circles even though you write in a different genre than me, I've always known who you were because I feel like we, did we start writing at the same time? Yeah, like, did you yeah. publish in, like my first book came out in 2011. Okay, I was one year after you. Yeah, but see, like, I know that you, like in my brain, I know that you were kind of there from the beginning. So I've always known who you were, always considered you, you know, like, oh, this is someone I know, she's a friend, of course, like she's nice, she's whatever, but but never until, <laughs> until the podcast, I was like, Holy crap, this podcast is so great. I love it so much. And I am totally new to listening to podcasts because I don't have a commute, right? So, like, I work from home all the time. So, I'm, I rarely ever leave the house. Um, <laughs> like me. And a lot of times I just read when I'm at the gym, but I've started listening to podcasts. And so, and then, when, and then my son plays baseball. So, I'd go on like these eight hour drives to get to like his baseball games and I would binge podcasts, but not very many because there are so many bad podcasts out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Girl, I am so picky. I tried so yeah. hard. Yeah. I tried so hard to listen to so many like things with topics that interest me. And I was like, I, I can't do it. Like, I can't get through these. These are so bad. And I really think like you set some kind of bar for me, like a listening bar. And so I can't, I can't tolerate anything that's less than, less than what you've provided for me. Well, I tell you, there's a reason also, let's go back to you because it's not about me, girl. And thank you so much for all your sweet words because guys, this is organic. I mean, I, I, I don't even know if she'd be on my podcast if it were for her love for me. Cause I tell you, we do have this mutual attraction to each other. We're like the same person in so many ways, but now listen, Jen Sterling, New York times, best-selling author. USA Today bestselling author, that's not easy to do. And I've never even come close to that. So clearly you're doing something right. And I tell you what, I think you've got at least a bajillion books out. Tell me how many books you've got out now. I, you know what? I wondered if you were going to ask me this before we started. And I, I know it sounds really obnoxious, but I really don't know. I think, like, it's, like, I think it's like around 40 or 50, right? No, God, no, oh. no. I, I think I've only released like, it's got to be closer to 20, like maybe 21. And then the, like the seven that I just wrote. So I think I'm on like my 20th book because I don't write that fast. Oh, yeah, but it's either. funny because I know all of our peers are like, I just released my 52nd and a half I know. book yeah. with a white fence and one baby and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why don't you guys stop counting at some point? Like, 
I stopped counting. I think like I just stopped counting probably after 10 because I don't, I don't care. I know, I know. How many books I have. I just want to, I just want to write stories that I love. Well, it's so funny because I was looking on, I think it was just down on Amazon and maybe there's just the same, because I, I think I counted over like, it was over 30 and I was like, why? Foreign editions, right? Oh, you know so what? The, the foreign yeah. editions show up on my page. And they look so different than the others. So I'm counting them as those. Okay. I should yes. know better yes. than that. Okay. Gotcha. That would be it for sure. Okay. See, <laughs> you learn something every day, don't you? And I, and I write the books, which is really sad. Something. Tell me something books. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. You and I, I'm a slow writer too. Like it takes me at least nine months just to write one book. Okay. I don't know about you, but at least one, nine months. And you wrote, it's very slow slow because I'm not as passionate clearly about it, but you've got like seven books, seven novellas. I'm going to interrupt you. It's because the kind of books that you write actually like require different types of research, I bet. So if your books are like heavily researched, that really slows the process down. So a a lot of mine, since they are, you know, I write very realistic romance. It just comes from, it comes from my heart. And only things that I have to research is if I'm writing a character who has a job I'm not familiar with. So I, I will never just make up like job things. I will research that. But I understand why your books would take you longer. My might take about three to four months for me to write. And and I consider that very slow. Like I'm a very slow writer compared to our peers. That's why it took me this entire it took me eight months or nine months to write the books that I'm releasing next year. And I've never done that before. Like I've never been able to get quote unquote, get ahead. Right. And I don't even know, is this a whole series though, Jen, or is this just a little standalones? They're, they're little standalones. They're like novellas. So they're, they are, I've been wanting to do this for like six years. Honestly, I've had this idea for six years and I've just never been able to make it come to fruition. Cause I just felt like I never had the time. Like, Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to write you know, a year's worth of holiday books, like books based on holiday themes. Right. I didn't get a year done. I got seven and I'm really, really tired. <laughs> I'm really I ready for know. a break. I don't even know. How you, now, is it more of a holiday type thing or what are they? they are. They're, so I named them Fun for the Holidays okay. and they are all just standalone stories with holiday based themes, right? So I have a New Year's one, a Valentine's, nice. St. Patrick's Day, and then I have like one for spring and summer and fall and then Christmas. So, that sounds fantastic. And see, though, yeah, go ahead. No, even though they're ba- they're based like on that, they're all like complete stories, like individual, you know, there's like getting together with your coworker, falling for your best friend's boss, hooking up with your brother's best friend. Like they're just really cute, tropey romances. They're right. very fun and very flirty. Right. Like they're very, they're just very fun and lighthearted. And I, I actually love them all so much. I'm so glad that I got to do it. And I, I really, I really hope people read them. No, I think, well, I think it's fantastic. And let me ask you this. Are they more like new adult, meaning more like 18 and up or? These are definitely more just contemporary romance. So I have basically everybody is, is a grown up. I don't think okay. there's anybody that has kids. I really don't write that, which is so weird, but I'm just like not, especially like I was a single mom for so long. And it's just, you would think, you would think since you know something so well, it would be easy to write, but for some reason I'm not drawn or attracted to writing like the single mom storyline. Okay. I've written it one time and I love that story. I think it's the best one of the series, but I'm, I'm just not drawn to writing that. Right, so right. they're there. I'd say they're like late twenties, early thirties, but I don't really talk about it. They're just, they're just grown up. Right, right. They're just grown up. 
Now you have you have a whole like sports series, which I think is really interesting because that's a different take on things. I know it's becoming more popular. I think you started the ball rolling on that though. See, see what I did there? Yeah, I would I would love to take credit to be like, oh, I, but but listen, I really do think like, well, it's probably that's probably very arrogant for me to be like, oh, I was one of the first baseball no, I think romances, but I don't know who came before me. Oh, like, I, think, I, think, I no, don't I think you were. know who wrote a baseball book. You like, were the very first from girl guy point of view. Ba- yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I hadn't read any. I hadn't even seen any. But that's no, that's not that's not at all person. to say they didn't exist. You were the very first person that I saw. You know that I realized. Oh, I never thought about doing like a story revolving around sports. You were the very first author that I ever saw do that. So I thought that was well, really thank, cool. No, thank I, you. And that's just the truth. It really is. I, I do get I do get very possessive over baseball romances because um, baseball is a sport I know and love and was literally raised on and has just surrounded me my whole life. So I get very upset when I read the other baseball romances and I'm like this is just wrong like how can you write a sports romance and you clearly don't know anything about the sport oh like you, you this is not right this is not what happens this is not what they do this is not it makes <laughs> it makes me irrationally angry but to me what would be so cool is your books you know might be interesting to a guy reader don't you think I, I actually do have guys who read yeah. the sports ones. I think they just have to know that what they're getting into, that it is, I mean, at the core of it, it is a romance novel. And, you know, if guys like to read, it's just hard. I mean, my boyfriend reads all my books, but he definitely is uh, way more partial. So I know which book is his favorite. I know what one he loves. He likes them all, of course, but I mean, he will be like, eh, this wasn't like, this one wasn't for me. I really love this book. Right. And I think that guys <laughs> could read them if they wanted, but they might be rolling their eyes and they might be like, oh, good God, what have, what have I gotten myself into? But you know, what's cool is you know that much about sports and baseball. Guess what? I grew up with my brothers being in a baseball league. I know all about baseball too. Yeah, I know. Listen, the the last series that I just wrote, which was a three book series set at the same college that my original book was that sold a billion copies. Right. So the perfect game. It's set at quote unquote fictional college that I named Fulton State. So we have the next generation of Fulton State baseball players, which includes the perfect game's son. But the third book that I wrote in that series, which is called Safe at First, is a story I really, really, really wanted to tell because even though I write fiction and I want it, I want you to feel good and I want you to be happy. Like I'm never going to write a book where there's not a happy ending at the end. I just, that's not me. I don't want to read books like that because I've read books like that. And it feels like such a waste of time. Like you got me invested in all this. You got me rooting for this couple. And then you, you, what you took it away to what? be a different kind of author like that doesn't make me feel good now I'm mad and now I hate you and now (laughs) now I don't trust you now I don't trust you as a reader and I'm never gonna read your stuff again and I'm so mad but like I won't write that because I don't want that but with safe at first it was this is definitely a spoiler but I don't care you guys could handle it it's unrealistic for me to, to be writing like my fourth baseball story and just to have every single guy who goes to college get drafted. It's just, it's not reality. So it's so important for me to write a story where all this kid has wanted to do is get drafted and it's, he's a senior and it's his last year. No one's asking about him. He's a great player. He's on one of the best teams in the country, but he doesn't get drafted. Like he doesn't because it's such an important thing for me to talk about what happens to an athlete's mentality when they don't get the one thing they've been trying to get since they were five years old. Right. Right. 
I mean, and just for anyone, what happens when you are forced to let go of your dream? Like this thing and, and your whole, you know, your whole identity is wrapped up in this one thing. Who are you outside of that? So the book to me is like, I love this book. It's my favorite of the series. I love whatever this crazy thing that I thought of, of how to end it and still make it okay. And you're still sad that he didn't get drafted, but what he ends up doing, you're rooting for him still and, and he's okay. But I just, I thought it was such a more important conversation to have because I feel like no one's having it. No one's having it. Like, what do you do to these baseball players who, who don't get drafted and then you just walk away from them and you're like, good luck. Like, yeah. good luck with the rest of your life. And they're like, what do you mean the rest of my life? What What am I supposed to do? Exactly. Or football or soccer or hockey or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Any athlete. And I keep saying baseball because my son's a baseball player. Right. So, I mean, I have been around so many of the guys who, you know, it just, it doesn't happen for everyone. No, it doesn't. I think it's actually really interesting and actually very insightful of you to give them the other side of it, but still maybe have a good story around it and still have it happily ever after. Yeah, it's still a happy story. It's still, you don't want that for this character. You want him to get drafted. But I was like, there's no way. This is something I felt very, very strongly about telling this side of a story that I feel, especially in fiction, doesn't get told because everybody gets everything they want in all of our books. You know what I mean? It's right. just, it's not, it's not realistic. No, it's not. Um, but let me ask you this because I know you've been asked this. I know the answer to this question, but my listeners don't. So what got you started writing? So what got me started writing? You really, you know, the answer to this question. I do know the answer to this question. You got fired. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yes. Oh my God. I almost didn't even say that part. Oh, so I know I, um, I, I literally was just thinking about like my first book and what inspired it. And like, yes. So I got fired. (laughs) I got, I had a dream. Here's how it all started. So, you know, listeners, if you're bored right now, please don't leave. We're still going to have fun. Please don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about other things like paranormal stuff. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting into that literally right now. Um, So I had a dream, oh my gosh, by now, I don't even know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, how old am I? Oh, I'm just a baby. So whenever I had this dream, to this day, is still so with me and so vivid and so like, oh my gosh, I'm going to literally start crying, thinking about the potency of this dream. And I was like, okay, gosh, one day I I, want to write a book based on this dream. Like I want to make it around this whole dream. Wow. Years, years, years go by. I have never forgotten this dream and I've never been pulled to write a story yet. Right. It's just always simmered in the back of my mind. I'm actually very emotional. This dream, gosh. So I go to work. It is literally the worst work experience of my life. I've never been in such like a toxic and dysfunctional environment, but you know, you need a paycheck so you don't leave. Right. You just, and I would go to my job every day, shut my office door and just go like, I would not leave unless I had to go to the bathroom. And then I would be like, please don't see anyone on the way to the bathroom. Like it was, it was that bad. So I finally got fired obviously. And I went out the next day and bought a laptop and it was the first laptop I'd ever bought. And I was so like, because I'm dying to write this book now, like two weeks to getting fired. I started thinking about this dream and this story and it wouldn't leave my head. And it was like, pushing, pushing at me. It's just so funny when you talk about that now, because you're like, duh, it's like timing is everything, (laughs) right? Timing is everything. So it was pushing at me like crazy. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Got fired. Was like, 
oh, well, thank God, because I want to write this freaking book. All I want to do is write this book. And it was like the worst book I've ever written because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to write a book. But um, it's my first book, and it's called In Dreams. And literally the book starts off with my actual dream. Like it starts off with parts of the dream that I still have not forgotten. And it goes into a whole entire story. It is paranormal, but you don't necessarily realize that while you're first reading it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, I didn't um, even know that part. I didn't even know that. I know you didn't. That's why I was like, you know this part? Like, did we talk about this? Oh, I didn't know that. So, okay. yeah. So what it is, like, the, the main character, she has this dream and she wakes up and her roommate is, okay, so her roommate is like, well, we have to find this guy. Obviously, if you're dreaming about this guy, like, he's here at school, like, on campus, we have to find him. What did he look like? And so, you know, she describes him and her roommate is, you know, constantly trying to find this guy everywhere that they go. So when she goes home for, I'm just going to spoil it. So when she goes home for Thanksgiving, she sees a picture on a mantle and she goes, this is it. This is the guy from my dream. Who is this? Oh my God. And her, and her roommate says, that's my brother. He died in an accident two years ago or whatever. I actually don't remember how long I said that he's been gone for, but she's dreaming about her roommate's dead brother, which... (laughs) I was dreaming about one of my best friend's dead brothers who I have never met. Are you serious? Because I, I met her and he is, had already passed away. What? So he, yeah. So he used to come to me in my dreams a lot and um, not so much anymore, but he used to come and if I'd be on long car rides, he would be there. And the greatest thing was that I could ask my, so this is my best friend, Trey, who lives in Jersey. And I could say, Hey, Trey, you know, tell me if I'm making this up or tell me if this resonates with you. And then I would tell her something like, you know, like, oh, a stuffed monkey. And she would be like, that was Alex's like favorite toy. Like he had a stuffed monkey and he used to carry that and we had a fire and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, so that's a real thing. Because when you're getting any kind of messages, I I would assume that you could relate to this a lot. You think you're making it up. I I get, I get messages. I don't physically hear them. They're just all of a sudden like implanted in my head, right? Like all of a sudden I'll have a thought, I'll have a vision, like I'll see a, an image or I'll start thinking something, but I'm like, am I just like, I have an overactive imagination. I, I freaking write books I for think, a living. You I know? think you're, well, Jen, Jen, I think you might be psychic. You might actually have some psychic abilities. You just, you haven't honed I, into I, them. I, tot- I totally think I do. Yes. I, I absolutely think I do. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to make them better. And I don't know if they are, if like my guides are kind of like protecting me being like, mm, this isn't what you're here for. So we're not letting them get better because they'll be a distraction to you. Yeah, but Um, first of all, I'm like flabbergasted. My jaw's on the ground because I had no idea. Guys, this is why this is so good. It talks so long. No, but I had no idea that this was happening. So wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a reason this happened. I don't think it's for, I don't think it's, oh, you shouldn't do this. Because why would it even show itself in the first place if you're not supposed to see this? Well, that, I think it was to get me to write the first book. Right. Like they they had to take this path for me to write this first book in the first place, because when I wrote this book, I really thought at the time, this is the only story I have to tell. I'm not a writer. I'm not a book writer. I'm not a storyteller. Like this is it. This is just this one book that is so deep in my heart with this dream that I've never been able to forget with this person. I've never been able to unsee. Like, this is just this one story that I have to tell. I really thought that was it. I'm going to write this one book, get another job after getting fired, and, like, move on with my life. Oh, 
And it wasn't until I wrote this book and then, you know, maybe like a few months later, I was like, oh, wow, I have another idea for another book. I'm going to write another story. It all happened very like and, and in the meantime, I'm going on interviews and I'm not getting jobs. Right. right. Like I'm going on interviews and, and it's the whole like, oh, you're over. You're too overqualified. Why do you want to work here when you've been in the entertainment industry your whole life? We think you'll be bored like that kind of thing. Oh, you don't fit in here because you don't have your own garden and grow your own coffee beans and press coffee. And I was like, I don't even drink coffee. And they're like, oh, just another reason. Well, you won't fit in here. I mean, it was just the most bizarre. I've never gone without a job in my life. Wow. It was the most bizarre surroundings but what was I knew once I started writing more I knew that was what I wanted to do and even though I wasn't making any money I knew I just had to keep doing it I didn't know that the perfect game was going to be as successful as it was I had no idea that I could ever even make the amount of money that I had made on that book like that was never even in my brain but I just knew in my gut keep writing like this, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be, you know, an executive assistant again. You're not supposed to be in a corporate environment again. I could feel that every time I went on an interview, I wanted to die. Like inside my guts were just like, wah, wah. right? Like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted over this, I but I, about this. I don't think in this way, in yeah. this detail ever. I, and so and I had a question and then it just went away because I was just like listening to you. I'm serious. It was just like, what? I don't shut up. No, no, that's the best part about this. I don't have to do a whole lot of work. So that's kind of good for me. But here, oh, I know what I was going to ask. Okay. The New York Times, you obviously know what you're doing if you're hitting the New York Times bestseller list and the USA Today bestselling list. Okay. I got to know all about that. What did you do? Was that pretty early on? Was that a, a few well, books in or what? Yeah. So the perfect game which was my third book. So, and I remember writing The Perfect Game and that's the baseball story. So I remember writing that and as I was writing it, feeling like, okay, this is different. This is different than the other two books I've been writing. At the time I'd written In Dreams and Chance Encounters and when I, you know, my novice writer self, I wrote everything very out of order. So I wrote all the like really emotional scenes that I knew I wanted to happen in the book. I would write all those first And then I would try and go back and like fill in between those scenes. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. Right. So all out of order. And the perfect game was the first book. I mean, it sounds so crazy to say that because at the time it felt like it had taken like forever to get here. But when you look back, I'm like, it was book number three, dude. It was your third book. Do you know how amazing that is? Like I, it is amazing. I'm very, very, very thankful, grateful blessed, lucky, all of those things. I never take anything for granted. Um, it was the first book that I had to write in order. I could not write out of order, even though I knew there were certain scenes that needed to happen. Right. It demanded to be written like linear, yeah. linearly yeah. <laughs> in order. <laughs> it demanded to be written in order from beginning to end. Yeah. So as I was writing that book though, I was like, this is something else. And then I just had a feeling this is the book, but I also on the flip side of that, remember feeling like if this book doesn't sell, I do not know what people want to read. 
And I wasn't writing it for anyone else. This was because this is very much my this is based off my current boyfriend. Like this is our college relationship. Like he inspired this story. Wow. Like he inspired the character of Jack because he's such a cocky, possessive, egotistical alpha male. And that's how he was when we were in college. It's just based off of that. But I remember thinking, yeah, if this doesn't sell, I have no idea what anyone wants to read. And this book took off word of mouth because there was no advertising then. This was in 2012. That's a thing. And it was like, it was like a little choo-choo, like a little train. Like it started and then it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Somehow it got in the right hands at the right time though, girl. Some blogger, somebody. It was, it was, it was actually totally booked blog. They were the, they were literally the only people to say, hey, let's promote this book. Let's do a a reading party with this book. They were the only people to do that for me. And that really helped. I mean, at the time, Maurice was a huge blogger and she gave it like a so-so review because she's friends with Abby. (laughs) That's a whole different situation. But hey, like the bestseller charts and things, those were not on my radar and I mean, to be fair, like I didn't care about them. To be fair, right now, I don't care about them. Right. That's not why I write. I don't write for accolades. I don't right. I don't write for stuff. Right. Like I write because I really, really, really enjoy storytelling. And all I want is for a million people to read my books. I want everyone up, well, not everyone, but I want my books to sell. I want to make a living from my writing. Right. Like that's what I want. Well, you're Anything so good else at it. on top of that yeah. is ego to me. Yeah. And that's the thing. And by the way, guys, she has one book that's called Seeing Stars that is totally free. I think it's still free. That was six days ago when you made that. Okay, it's still I have it free through the end of the year. Okay, and you'll get a taste of Jen's amazing writing. Guys, she's fantastic, and I don't say that often about people that I know who are writers because I'm I'm a hard sell. Well, I'm a hard sell. It's like that in any kind of comedy movie. Yeah, I, I'm a hard sell, and, and I'm hard on myself too. So that's one reason why, you know, it's so much work to write, and I have so much respect for people that really do it well. So, and you do. But let me, let me ask oh, you this. You. Going back to your psychic abilities – I have so many people that are psychics on my podcast, and I know you know that. So I love it. I love listening to it. It's so funny because a lot of times when you're talking to somebody and they're talking about past lives or they're talking about, you know, going into the room of knowledge, I was dying listening to that. I was like, oh, she's saying the room of knowledge. Is that the same thing as the Akashic Records? Like, is that the same? Is it just called by a different name? So it's like when I'm listening to your stuff, I'm like, ask her this. And you know, I just, I, it's funny. There's a lot of times I'm sitting there nodding my head. I'm like, Oh, that totally resonates with me. And then you'll ask a question and I'll literally look at my radio and I'll be like, Leslie, you have to know this answer already. Like, come on, you knew that. And then you'll be like, I didn't know that. I'm like, come on. Of course you knew that. (laughs) It's just, it's funny. I definitely talk to you while I'm listening, but, um, you know, I don't want to go so far as to be like, oh, I have all of these abilities, but I definitely do have some. I am very aware of them. I've had them for a very long time. Um, I feel like my mom unintentionally maybe raised me in a spiritual way. I don't think she knew what she was doing, but she had like runes and she had tarot cards and she would go get readings. So I don't know if she realized that she was planting these seeds in me oh, absolutely. of like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Of like, yeah. but, but then on the flip side, she'd also be like, 
Mormon friends are coming over or we're going to go to church. And I'd be like, what? Like, I just didn't, but, but none of that, like no offense to anybody. None of that resonated with me. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to do any of that. This, the spiritual side is what made sense to me at a very young age. And it's funny because I just like, you have your beliefs and they're so ingrained in you that they are such a hard truth that you know, I, I can't, I can't understand how people are like, Oh, there's, there's no more lives. Like you just live this life, you, you die and then it's done. And I just, my brain's like, but that would be so stupid. Like, what would be the point of anything if you just have one life and that's it? Like to me, that makes no sense. Yeah. Well, and that's how I feel about it too. There's a lot of people that you're right. Don't believe in, you know, once you die, you die, you're done. And I do not believe that at all. In fact, I know in my soul, that's not the truth. That's not the way we do. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Like, it's just this innate knowing that I'm like, oh, but that's like, to me, that's silly. But, and I'm not calling people who think like that silly because I really respect everybody's, everybody's beliefs and everybody, you know, what they believe is their truth. Just for me, I'm like, that ain't it. (laughs) No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Well, and I think the people that listen to my podcast, a lot of them probably feel the same way I do. And if they don't, um, they just skip those episodes because, and that's fine because that's what you do with my podcast. You can do, yeah. Because if something doesn't resonate with you, you you don't necessarily want to hear it because it's not about changing somebody's mind. Like, you know, that, that's the thing that like our, our, our nation is so struggling with right now is like, you know, we shouldn't be trying to change each other's minds. We shouldn't be trying. I don't understand with everything that's kind of going on and, and not to get political, just to get on a human level. Yeah. Why, you know, if you divide us into two sides, why does anyone think for one second that every single person is going to think the same way? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then why, but why are they trying to make everyone think the exact same way? We can't have all of us think the same about all the things that's ridiculous like no purpose why why have we strayed so far from like nobody can have a difference of opinion anymore well and what i can't stand is how appalling we're being to each other it's becoming each other is the enemy and you know what i was watching something and i don't know what it was and um there was a line in the show so if somebody saw it I mean, my boyfriend and I both looked at each other. It was so brilliantly written. It was, I'm going to mess it up because I I don't remember it specifically, but it was basically like, if you don't give this country a common enemy, like somebody to fight against, like in 9-11, we will turn on each other. Yes. We already have. We already have. That is is scarily true. No, it is. And And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. We're not all mad at someone else. So we're mad at each other. Because we only have each other to blame because you're right. There's no one else. But anyway, oh, my God, let's get away from this because I, I can feel like the black cloud of energy coming down. Cloud. Like, yeah, well, we can I can take this part out. But no, um, let me ask you this back to your books. When you hit the New York Times bestselling list, first of all, that's really hard. Tell me what I don't even know what that's like. I don't even know the question yeah, to ask. No. because so, just- so I didn't even tell you when I hit USA Today, I had no idea. My cover designer, Michelle Warren, who is yes. also a phenomenal She's author, mine. She's mine. Oh, she is the best cover designer, but she is a beautiful writer. Her stories are, she's fantastic. She is, she just does not, she is not blown up the way, she does not get the credit she deserves at all. Her writing is fantastic. Um, I wish everyone would read her like paranormal books. She's, she's so great. So she actually told me like, Hey, you hit USA Today at 
blah, blah. I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you hit the USA Today bestseller list. Like, congratulations for the perfect game. And I was like, I did? I'd, I, if she didn't tell me, I would have never known. Wow. Like, I would have never known. And then she also was like, I think you can actually go get it in the newspaper. Like, I think they print up to, you know, f- the first 50 in the newspaper. And I think it hit like 49 or something. Wow. And I was like, I can? What? So, like, I went to like a 7-Eleven and got a paper. So, that had never been on my radar. And then of course I was super like, wow, that that's amazing. Because of that, I had a bunch of agents reaching out to me and then I had publishing deals, like all because of the success of that book. And so then my next goal was like, and it was just like, okay, I guess I'd like to hit the New York times. What do I have to do to make that happen? How are people hitting the New York times? I think at the time that New York times wasn't allowing indie books on. Once again, they're not allowing indie books. They're not doing ebooks. You cannot hit the New York Times with an ebook anymore. Like they stopped. But so I was like, oh, what do you have to do? And they were, oh, you have to sell this many copies in your first week. It has to be on more than one retailer. So like the follow-up to the perfect game was the game changer. And it was Amazon exclusive and it sold 35,000 copies in the first week. Wow. And I didn't couldn't hit the New York Times because I was only on one retailer. Gotcha. Right. So I was like, Okay, well, what? But I don't even know if it could hit USA Today because it was, I don't think I hit anything with that book because I was only on one retailer. So it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. So w- once I found out what you had to do for the New York Times, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm going to try and sell that many copies. And um, I literally, for 10 years later, which is a, a book about a couple who haven't seen each other since high school and they see each other for the first time at their 10 year reunion, that was just perfect timing of like a second chance romance. And I put it on sale for like release day. And I was like, okay, well, hopefully, and it got to number two in the Amazon store. So I was like, okay, well, well, hopefully I'll hit New York times with this. And I I had tried, I honest to God tried. And that's what I did. Like I wanted to hit New York times. I planned it with that book. I hoped for it. I, and then I hit it (laughs) and then I hit it, but just with that book, that's the only time I've ever hit it. That's the only time I've been on New York times is with that book. And then I remember I was driving to my son's baseball game when my agent called me and said, Hey, you hit New York times. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I did it. And then I was like, well, now what? Like literally I was like, well, now what? Like, oh my God, that's such a huge honor. And you're like, now what? Did it? Now what? I got the, I got the Oscar. What to do next? Like, okay, cool. And the problem also was I thought, okay, cool. Now I've hit New York Times. That's what everyone kept telling me I needed to do to have all these doors open and to get the attention of like TV producers or foreign deals or this. And literally nothing happened. Really? Nothing Nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing happened as a result from hitting the New York Times. So I really was like, okay, cool. I hit it. I guess I get to use it as a title. And once again, I don't care. I just, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about those things. I really don't care. I've never hit it again and I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Well, I am very impressed because it's so hard and I didn't even know, you know, because I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar to try to hit those because I knew I couldn't. And it's not because I'm not a good writer. I think I'm a really good writer. I'm I'm like Michelle Warren and I I, I don't want to compare myself to her. um, But as far as how you feel about her, a lot of people feel that about me. And put yourself on her level. Go. Well, and I'm just saying a lot of people feel that way about my writing and it, and it is, 
it can be discouraging and it is a lot of work and it can be very expensive. And we've talked about before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, if anybody wants to get into this, you better make sure you want to do this because it's not easy and you can't do it without a lot of help, a lot of research, a lot of probably looking at YouTube. I, the reason I even got into book writing is because I used to review books and I knew a lot of authors and that's what helped me launch what I, cause they were like, you need to be writing. You need to be. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's kind of like the podcast thing. They were like, no, you need to be podcasting. I'm like, no, I'm a writer. Well, obviously now I'm a podcaster and I seem to be doing okay, but no, it's, it's, it takes a lot of work. It really does. It and is. Yeah. it is. And it's, it's not for the, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. I've been emotionally through, I feel like a lot of journeys just from having this be my career, yeah. oh, like yeah. just from being in this business. It has been, I mean, there are the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like it is a very emotional business to be in because I write for the passion. I'm not a machine. A lot of our author friends who are making literally millions of dollars a year. Oh, I know they come from it from the business side. So they don't care about the rest of it. And I'm like, it would be so much smarter for me if I was of that mindset, but I'm not. And so it's also been accepting what kind of writer I am and what kind of person I am when it comes to my writing. Will you write okay books? With it. Will you write books the way you want to read books? You know, if you, exactly right. That's I definitely I do. So I don't write like 50 shades of gray. I don't like the overly, I find sex scenes, honestly, like boring because there's only so many ways that you could fucking write that. So I get bored <laughs> when I'm reading it and I'm like, okay, great. Like I search for dialogue. I'm a very dialogue driven reader. So I am a very dialogue driven writer. I move things along with that. There's a lot of dialogue in my books. There is, I'm not an overly descriptive writer because I don't like that when I'm reading, I get bored. It's so funny. We're talking about this because, and I, I believe it or not, guys, she's one of my really good friends and I have not read her books. She has not read my books because that's not how we met. That's not how we got close. And I'm finding out things about her. I am heavy in dialogue, very little description because I don't, I, I'm, that's not my forte. My forte, my best writing is dialogue. That is my best me writing. Too. Yeah. That is no, so me funny. too. I'm a very, I, I write very realistic dialogue and my stories I write. It's funny. I like to call them simple. Yeah, it's not like simple, not stupid. It's just, I feel like I write the way that most people would think. So what my characters do, your brain is like, Oh, that's what I would have done. Yeah, like exactly. that's exactly how I think. And that's the move I would have made. So they feel very relatable. Absolutely. No, it's so funny. We're the same person. I, it's so funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot when I listen to your stuff, I'm like, Oh, Leslie, that's so cute. <laughs> like when you talk about talking to your mom and you're like, I feel so weird saying this. I was like, don't accept what you have. Yeah, accept what you have and own it and then you're like oh it makes me tired when I talk to her and I'm like it makes you tired really like I don't get tired and I'm like oh because half the time I'm just like oh I'm just talking to myself and making this up (laughs) oh my god you are so funny you actually do listen to my podcast no I'm kidding but no (laughs) but no I mean with my mom I talk about her so much on my podcast that I think people are just getting sick of me talking about it so I try not to talk about it I think that you do talk about her that often okay okay because sometimes when I talk to psychics I'm like um okay well you don't know this about me but of course you would bring that up plus I feel like you're also trying to learn about you know what it is you know what it is it just hit me you want to be validated like you I feel like people like you and I who have psychic abilities but we're just not 100% sure of them and their power and what else we could do. We want to be validated that we're not making it up, that we're not crazy, that this is very real. Even if we know it's real, it's really nice to hear someone else, an expert in the field, 
tell you, no, that's totally real. No, yeah. what you think is happening is happening. Right. It's that yeah. validation. I do that. That's that's exactly like why when I was talking to Alex for that period of time, I was so thankful that I had Trey, you know, my girlfriend to go ask, hey, am I making this up or is this a real thing? And it made me feel like, oh my gosh, okay, all this stuff that I'm getting is, this is really real. I'm not making this up because I wanted to be able to differentiate between, am I just being, you know, am I talking to myself or am I really getting something? I still don't know the difference because it always feels like I'm making it up. Um, well, you know how I've noticed it's different. I would never have come up with some of the things she said to me. Does that make right, sense? right. Yeah. And that's how I know, okay, that's not me. I didn't, you know, when she, yeah. when she told me she was a greeter. I don't have that a lot going on right now. The The biggest thing that I get is I do get messages in dreams. And even that has been, I think my life is just so calm yeah. right now that it, I don't have a lot going on. But my gut feelings, right? Like all, it's funny in your podcast, when you're talking to somebody, you are the one who always takes it this route. And it makes me so uncomfortable. You ask about the bad stuff. You always yes. ask your people like, Ooh, what about, what about the malevolent forces? And yes. I always get like, Ooh, I'm going to stop listening. I don't like the bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear about the bad. I don't want to invite the bad in my life. So like, I don't, I don't like that. I, know. I haven't had like those kinds of experiences and I don't want to. Well, let me tell you though, so, a lot of the times, um, and since you stopped listening, you may not know this. A lot of times when they tell me that they say a lot of the evil in the world is really just man-made. It's not necessarily from, right. from, you know, a hell. I don't even believe in hell. I don't know. You know I know. So, I don't either. It's exactly what you said in that other podcast where there are different levels, different layers of, you know, there's just like a low, a lower level low being. I don't want to be involved in any of that. I don't want to participate in those levels and I don't want them to try and participate with me. So I really do appreciate that a lot of my experiences have been, I mean, I will go into a place and be like, Ooh, I do not like the way this place feels. This has a lot of bad energy. Something bad happened here. And I want, I immediately remove myself from a place like that. I am not the person who is like, if I feel that there's something bad, I don't want to go explore it. Now that's different than like, if I walk into a civil war house and I'm like, oh, like, oh, I can feel the civil war energy here. It's heavy. It's sad. There's death. There's whatever, but it's not evil. Right. right? So it's not bad energy that I want to be in <laughs> anything. Civil war. I want to be around. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. But, you know, I have to know all of the elements. I don't want to just know the, the fun and happy, good, go lucky stuff. I want to know everything, you know? Yeah. I only do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I only want to be in the happy lands and I don't want any of the bad. I just know yeah. I'm not here for that. But I do think... I do think you're more advanced as far as psychically than I am. I don't know if I'm psychic. I think I, I think everybody has the ability to talk to people they love. I, I think that's true. But I do think you were probably way past me. And I do think you know yourself and your soul. And that is something that does not interest you. And that is okay because that's how you feel. And that's that's probably best for you because you could be influenced in a different way than maybe somebody that, that does expose themselves to that and they can handle it. Uh, that's the thing. You know, there are a lot of people like that doll lady member from the Shanley Hotel. She yeah. collects all those yes. dolls. I did not listen to that one because oh, I was like, okay. ooh, this is going to be like there was two. Right. It was a doll room. And then the girl at the hotel. Right. Right. 
there was two different episodes. So I didn't listen to the doll room because I was like, that's going to scare me. And I don't like being scared. Like it's, I don't like, this is what I always tell people. Cause I love Halloween. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays, but I'm like, I don't like scary Halloween. I like Disney Halloween. Like I like happy smiling pumpkins. I don't like to be scared. I don't, it, that doesn't, I don't enjoy that. I don't like being scared. I don't like scary things. I like happy stuff. So I will never have like a scary Halloween decoration. And even with spirits or if I'm going to do like, you know, if I'm going to do a spell or if I'm going to participate in any kind of candle magic or any kind of magic, it's never, it's never invoking anything negative and it's well, never. Oh, right, right. That's, that's intention too. But, and a lot of times you should just give it a shot and just turn it off if it starts wigging you out because she was really interesting and her dolls, none of them were scary. They just, they would oh, talk to her. Yeah. I just assumed like this is like a horror movie and I don't even want to hear this in my brain. Yeah. Like I literally will avoid any, I do not like scary. I don't watch scary movies. I don't, it doesn't make me feel good. You are so funny. It make me feel good. Yeah. Well, you were so funny because I love scary movies, but I, they have to be certain kind. Like, a, like I said, I'm a hard sell on good books and I'm a hard sell on good movies. No, but no, no matter what it's all in good movies too i mean i'm in the entertainment industry my whole life so it's like once you're in that kind of business you don't see things the same way anymore just like once you're a writer whatever whoever's listening whatever your occupation is you have to be the biggest critic of everyone else in that occupation right. because you know so much absolutely but no the only bad thing about that particular episode and you can turn it off when you get to that part was the box that she got from another psychic that had a voodoo doll in it that was to love spell voodoo doll and and her name was deborah and she wanted out of the box with these scary mask that was possessed by some kind of evil force she didn't know what that was and she can handle a lot of things and she was having a hard time with that one so that was the only thing oh yeah that's a no for me yeah. that is a no <laughs> from me oh my gosh yeah. See, I just, yeah. I'm sorry. See, I just scared the crap out of you. I, I don't want to scare the crap out of you. No, you did. You didn't scare me. I'm not. It's already gone from my brain. I've already bleached it from my brain cells. <laughs> Only happy times. But it's funny. While we're talking about this, I remember specifically going to Cooperstown with my son. Everything revolves around my freaking son in baseball. Going to Cooperstown for him to play. And there was this house, this property where a lot of the families were staying. I was not staying there. Thank God. Cause I walked into this house and I was like, okay, this house has a lot of energy. And then I walked downstairs into where like the kitchen is and like the whatever. And I was like, Nope, Nope. Like it is a no from me in this property. Goodbye. And I just went outside and then looked upstairs because there's a third floor. And then whoever ran the house, I was like, oh, my God, how evil is that third floor? He goes, we have it locked and no one can go in there. But see, I have a lot of respect, though, Jen, for people that can do that already. I don't know if I could go into a house and go, "Mm, not for me. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't feel things or I maybe could pick up on things here and there. I think I think the general public usually can do a little bit of that. But for you to go that's a big no in your third floor. I, I I don't know if I could have done that. So to me, you're pretty, you're more advanced than you think you are. Probably. I definitely like, that is something I very much trust. If I walk Absolutely. into a space and I feel like I, I very much trust that. And then whatever comes to dreams, I very much trust that I'm getting messages as well. Like, I mean, before 9-11, I had the, the most terrifying dream that oh, there God. were Middle Eastern people in guns in my neighborhood trying to kill everyone. What? Like two days before 9-11. And I was like, that was a really terrible dream. And I don't understand what any of it meant. 
Well, you know what? I mean, you might be, okay, you might be a little bit more clairvoyant or, well, definitely psychic because that's more of a psychic thing. Are you getting anything for the year? Are you getting anything for, you know, for the rest of the year? I haven't. Everything's been very, like, that's what I was saying before. Like, everything's been very, I haven't been getting, like, messages in general. I feel like for years, I feel like my spirit guides aren't here. I feel like no one's here. But that's not true. I just, literally, I just said that out loud in my the way I get messages was like, stop being dramatic. Like, you know, that's not true. So I'm obviously being dramatic and that's a lie. Um, Oh, I have a question for you. If you feel messages, I'm literally touching my head. Do you get it on your right side? I never thought about it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But when you feel like you're talking to your mom, like does, does it come from a side? Like for me, it's, it's my right side. Always, 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 always 100%. I, I feel I get things in my, my right ear in the right side of me. Yeah. No, it just, it just kind of pops in my head more. You know, that's how I get it. Okay. Yeah. There's not a, well that I've noticed I'll have to start noticing, but no, I, I, it just feels like it's coming in my head. It's, you know, the messages are coming and it's, it's not my voice. It's just a tele- telepathy thing where I'm just, yeah. I'm just yeah. getting the messages. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes. No, I, I get very much the same way. And you know what? When I was um, in the beginning, when I was writing too, I mean, I was married and I was I was really, really, really unhappy. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say. And pray to God, he doesn't listen to anything that that I say. He's a wonderful man. We just were not right for each other. So I would stay up till like four or five o'clock in the morning every single night um, writing. I would definitely channel because the next day when I would get up and read over what I had written, I would have zero memory. I was like, what? I would have no memory of like writing half of that stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, I was in such a good, like in a good, like channeling space, I guess, for writing this story. Um, And that doesn't happen anymore because I'm not writing like that anymore. I'm, I'm on a very much more normal schedule. I mean, I'm with, you know, with with my boyfriend now, I actually we go to bed at the same time because I like him. So I go to bed when he does yeah. and um, I write in the day. And so I have oh, yeah. like a very much more kind of normal, calm, very peaceful life. We have a very, very nice relationship that um, doesn't have a lot of drama or a lot of a lot of arguing. Right. So, um, I just I feel very just, you know, I, I understand why no messages are coming or maybe I'm not open to it. I'm not I'm not really sure. Well, I think back then it was already trying to put you, the universe, your guides, whatever, were pushing you to be a writer. They were already doing that. So they had to be like that forceful. They had to be that forceful and they had to be around the way that they were to get me kind of, and I I appreciate that. So, you know. Did it ever scare you though, that channeling when you went, oh my God, how did I not remember that? Is that good? Is that bad? Did it ever scare you or were you? No, I was never scared. Never scared. I was always excited. It made me excited because I was like, ooh, this is good. It wasn't like, oh, I'd go back and read it and be like, where did this come from? This is awful. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) This is awesome. Where did this come from? (laughs) Let me be clear. It wasn't like 50 pages of writing. It would be like maybe a page, like maybe like, you know, three or four or five really developed paragraphs right. of just like, gosh, I don't remember this at all, but this is really good. Like, thanks. Wow. And it, it makes sense to me that you would get into that kind of state though, because I was probably exhausted oh, being so up too. that late night yeah. after night after night and just like exhausted writing. You can't help but get into a kind of like subconscious writing. Well, and I was true. definitely open to it. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Would you go to a seance? Well, a seance in what way? Are we trying to pull up spirits? Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking in general, you know, somebody or, or a Ouija board. Would you do a Ouija board? No, yeah. no, 
No, I, I don't think I would go to a seance because I feel like that's specifically trying to call a certain spirit. To, it, that just seems um, unnecessary. I think so, too. Uh, yeah, and a Ouija board, no, uh, no. But would I go to, like, a medium, somebody who, who really very well speaks to the dead? A hundred percent. I used to go to this woman every year on my birthday, for my birthday. She was, like, my present to myself. She is phenomenal and she's not doing readings anymore. And she is, she really validated a lot of stuff for me. And, um, she was wonderful and beautiful. And then I actually spoke to somebody that you had on your podcast. Yes, you did Lori, Lori Neal. Yes. I spoke to Lori because I'm from California. I've only lived in Colorado for a year. So I just got here and I was listening to her and I was like, Oh, I like her. And then she said she lived in Colorado Springs. And I was like, I'm in Colorado Springs. (laughs) And then she was, you know, she said she did readings and I was like, Oh, I feel like this is kind of, this is, this is meant to be. So I actually had a fantastic reading with her. She was very funny. And I mean, she, she picked up on a lot of stuff. So, right. Yeah. And she was one of the near death experiencers. I think she was actually my first near death experiencer. And so far, you know, I've had that recent one on and my listeners love those. So I'll keep them coming when they do come. I get, I've been, I I love them. Well, I like all the different so stories. Yeah, I like all the different stories. But like I said in, in the episode, this recent one, they all have the same kind of elements to them, but they're just yeah, different. They yeah, do. yeah. So and it makes me go, okay, yeah, this is really a thing. It's not just someone's, you know, oh, your brain is dying. It's none of that. It really is yeah. a place, you know, trying to convince my husband of that different story. But that's okay. Because you know what, he's so supportive. And he loves me and and loves that I'm doing this and knows that I love it. And he's just the best. And and that's okay. Like, yeah. maybe that's not for him. Maybe he's not ready for that. I feel like when it comes to, to men and women, we think about things very differently. And and if I'm going to be super generalizing, a lot of guys are very black and white, very black and white and very like reality versus fantasy. And I think for us women, we are very million shades of gray. I rarely see something as a black and white issue. I am, I am torn in my own mind of seeing every single perspective, all sides, how you could have come to this. And it makes it so hard because sometimes I just feel like, holy shit, how do you ever pick a side when you can see all sides? Right. That's the thing. I mean, but I want to dig in there. I want to get the dirty out. I want to clean it out and figure it out and hold it in my hands and mold it up. I do the same thing. I really do like a lot of deep diving on myself, right? I do a lot of, actually, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. (laughs) Such an embarrassing conversation. And none of your listeners are going to care or want to hear about this, but it's a very typical, like my boyfriend started following some girl on Instagram and like it's, she's married. So it's like someone's wife or whatever, but he started following her and he liked this picture of her and it made me so upset. And so last night we were talking, I was like, can you please tell me why you follow this girl on Instagram? And he was like, huh? Like what girl? And I told him and then he goes, oh my God, because she's always making all these videos where she's making fun of her husband and they make me laugh and her husband doesn't have an Instagram, so I can't follow him. I said, okay, but you like this picture of just her. And he goes, well, what did it say? And I read it and it was like this emotional kind of post. And he goes, oh, I liked it because of what she wrote. Like it was emotional. It was whatever. And he, he literally turned me around on me. He goes, let's dig into this. And I went, <laughs> okay, okay, what? And he goes, 
so you don't like that I followed her or that I like that picture? And I was like, yeah, no, I don't like the way it made me feel. And he goes, okay. He goes, do you, do you think I'm attracted to her? And I said, well, I don't know. You, could, I mean, I said, sure, you could be attracted to her. Like, she's very pretty. Like, yes, pr- yes, you probably are attracted to her. Yes. And he goes, okay, do you think I'm going to, he goes, what did the kids say? Slide into her DMs? He goes, do you think I'm going to slide into her DMs? And I said, no, because I don't think that. I don't think that at all. And he goes, okay, so I, I'm not going to like slide into her DMs. I'm not trying to get with this girl. So why does it bother you? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer to why it bothered me other than I just don't like it because I'm a crazy girlfriend. No, you're not. It's just, but I just think, you know, there's just talking to him about it made me feel a lot better. Right. right. Just talking about like why he follows her, why he liked that picture. I think, I think for me, I instinctively go into something. I go crazy if I think something's a threat. No, I know. Especially if they're good looking or whatever. Yeah, I know. No, I don't like that. But now I don't feel threatened by her anymore. But even though like she wasn't ever a threat. And I really, when he was like, do you think I'm going to like DM her and start flirting with her or say something to her? And I was like, no, because I really don't think that. But then I didn't have a reason for why I'm so crazy. No, you're not. (laughs) Why you're so crazy. (laughs) But no, I mean, I think we're all, you're human. And sometimes, you know, we all fall short of the glory, girl. And that's just what happened. You know, you just, you know, you just, it just made you uncomfortable. Not because you thought he was going to do anything. I think there's obviously a trust there. It's not like, you know, he's ever, ever given you a reason to not trust him. The same with my husband. Never a reason. He is is Jack Carter. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) But still, he's been with you long enough. There's, there's a good trust there. So anyway, but all right. So guys. I want everybody to check Jen Sterling's books out. I, I tell you. Oh, and by the way, these would make yeah. fantastic Christmas gifts. Even my books would make fantastic Christmas gifts. Any book from any good, they really would because. Great. Yeah, well, you know, the shelves are going empty on everything, but not on our books. So, and we have plenty. So y'all grab them on Amazon. Jen, tell my listeners where they can find you, where, you know, where your books are, all your social media outlets, everything. Okay. So my books are on all of the book websites right now, but they will always be on Amazon. They're on Kobo, Google Play, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble. So you can get them on there. Um, I'm everywhere. TikTok, our favorite. Yes. Uh, Instagram and Facebook under author Jay Sterling. So my name is Jen Sterling and everyone can call me Jen, but I write under Sterling. Yeah. That's it. That's how you find me. Stalk me everywhere. I love it. Yeah, guys, she's fantastic. And especially even if you have a a friend who's a guy that likes sports, grab her books, even for your guy friends that are readers. I'm telling you, they're going to love them, especially the sports ones. And Jen, thank you so much for coming and and talking to me today and for agreeing to be on. It's taken a while. I finally talked you into it and I've got a great episode now. I'm so happy. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Hopefully I didn't bore your listeners to death and maybe they want more. I like, I always want more when you're talking to people. So, Hey, tell me again, what is the Facebook group? Because uh, there has been so many times that I've wanted to like talk about who you had on or like yell at you for not asking the right questions or do something else. And so I want a place to be able to go to talk about your episodes. Okay. It's just the, uh, on Facebook because I want to know group. That's it. I had no idea you even had a group. Like, I don't even think you've ever talked about it one time. Oh, well, I had I no clue this existed. Yeah. So I'm so excited to be able to go in there because I really, really, really do enjoy your podcast, but oh, thank you, you know, honey. I need to be able to talk about it somewhere instead of just to you. <laughs> 
but no, I like it because you could take my podcast and you tell me you like you got to have her back, and then I'm like, okay, I got to have the pirate lady back because Jen wants her back, so I'm gonna have her back. Oh my gosh, because you need to ask her. Are all did she watch Black Sails and is Black Sails? <laughs> Like very, how accurate is it? Because I had no idea when I watched that show that any of those pirates were real. I know, and now, <sighs> and now they are, or at least some of them are. So there you go. Everyone, oh, everything that she said, I'm like, these were all in black sails. Every one of them. Oh, see, I never watched black sails. That's why it never occurred to me. It's a lot of boobies, and a, like the first <laughs> season is a lot of naked boobies and a lot of sex and a lot of. But the story is like it gets. Like if you could get through, I don't know what it is with like shows and their season ones. I think they're just trying to attract men. So they just put boobs in your face constantly. <laughs> and then they're like, we'll work on like the real story and all the violence and everything like a little bit later after we get all the men hooked on all the yeah. boobies. So. <laughs> and then they won't know the boobies aren't there because we'll do other things. We're not showing so much of the boobies. I mean, Game of Thrones did the exact same thing. It's like boobs in your face. Oh and I think that's for the men. I think that's the only way they could get the men involved. Boobs. Oh, I know, boobs. I know. And I'll have her back on, I promise. Um, I she's even so agreed excited. to it. Yes. So anyway, honey, thank you so much. You're a good friend and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.